I'm going to start in Acts chapter 2 to go back to the book of Joel. On the day of Pentecost, when those men stood and they spake, now clarify what happened. They spake to a multitude of people, many of them Jews, who were assembled for the Passover. Each man, or many of them from different countries, yet each man could understand what they said as if it was said to them in their own tongue. Now first of all, that teaches us how God is giving the Gospel to the Gentiles. But that's the day of Pentecost which is prophesied in the book of Joel. Now Peter standing up to the eleven, they mocked them. They said they're full of new wine. This is a new thing. People mock the Gospel today. The natural man mocks the Lord Christ. He mocks the Gospel. He mocks the church. has no understanding of it. Peter stood up the eleven said, these men are not drunk. As you suppose, that it's the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. And on My servants and on My handmaids I will pour out in those days of My Spirit and they shall prophesy. This is speaking of the day of the New Testament church, the first century church, and the special application of the Holy Ghost that God gave to His people when they had the power to heal the sick, raise the dead. They spake in tongues. And don't ever get carried away on tongues. We don't, we don't, we don't speak in tongues today. Tongues was given that as the Jews would not take the Word of God given to them in their own tongue. God said with the strange lips, here little, there little, I'll give it to you. Gentiles preached it. And they still would not take it. Justifying, justifying, making it manifest that God was just and cutting off the Jews and basically totally destroying the city and the temple of law service, fulfilling the law and the prophets. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Oh, I hear that by so many people talking about a time that's coming. This is the time that is past. Let's prove it by Scripture. The sun shall be turned into darkness. That's the glory of God taken away from the law of service. As long as the law of service was God's purpose, God blessed it. God kept it. The Son represents the Son of Righteousness. The glory of God was taken away from the law of service. The moon and the blood, again, the moon has no illumination of its own. The moon represents the church. The moon gets its light from the sun. The church gets its light from Christ. Before that great and notable day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Who is, all, who is whosoever? Whosoever is born of God. We'll get to that as we go through this book. Who's born of God? The elect of God, Jew and Gentile. Let's go to Joel and go slowly and try to bring things out through this if you'll pray for me. 
the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. There's nothing known of Joel. He makes the point who his father is because he's unknown. He's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. Joel is. Peter mentions him where we just read over there of that. The book of Joel being fulfilled there on the day of Pentecost. Joel is making the point, I am nothing. Amos makes the sound point in his writings. I was no prophet. I was a herdman keeping the sheep, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. I'm not of the ministry of the Jews. Joel is making this same point. Oh, I could stay there so long. Joel is a man called of God to preach the Gospel. Who he is is not of importance. It's not significant. The preeminence is to Christ. The Word of the Lord, the Word of God, the prophecy of God came to Joel, this man that nobody knows. It is assumed... Before we go into this, it is assumed this was about 721 B.C. It is assumed this was in the time when the Assyrians conquered Israel. If you remember, the ten and a half tribes split away from Israel. The two Jews, Levites, Half the tribe of Joseph, Manasseh, stayed in Jerusalem with Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. The ten and a half tribes rebelled. They went into Assyria. They went into Syria. They went into a place with Gentiles. The first thing that Jeroboam did, the Scripture mentions, was when he got there, He said, lest the people go back down to Jerusalem to worship their Lord God Creator, let us make us gods. The two calves He made, just as Aaron made. You can't tell me there's a difference. Because they're the same worship of paganism and idolatry. Let us make these two calves and the children of Israel can worship these. And he said, these be thy gods. They then began to worship in idolatry. We're talking about Israel. Which, by the way, does not even exist anymore. But yet the Scripture spoke of it as it did because God would renew Israel not in a physical Israel, but in a spiritual. Now let that sink in. But they intermingled with all of the Gentile peoples and all of their pagan gods and idolatry. They became a part of them. And this is so important to realize as we live in a world where God's church is vanishing away, they lost their identity as the people of God. I would admonish everyone who is God's child to study the identity of the New Testament church and to pray to God daily that we keep 
to the things that Christ ordained in the New Testament church, beginning with true doctrine and also true practice. There's Israel to the north. Most of this text, I believe, now some people say it was a Chaldean, some say it's Nebuchadnezzar, but I believe if we read this, it becomes apparent as we go through that the time in history being spoken of was when the Assyrians conquered northern, the northern kingdom of Israel and it was taken away. It existed no more. They were taken into strange lands. They were taken away. Only Jerusalem remained. And that only because God sustained it until the time that His Son would come into the world and fulfill the law and establish the church of grace in the world. Joel says, Hear this, ye old men, the leaders of Israel, the Levitical priesthood, the leaders of the families, the tribes, the old, we forget this today, the old and the wise. Well, put them away. Let's lock them up and have the young people run the things. Age is supposed to bring wisdom. Old people have suffered more of life. And those that have brought through it by the grace of God have many things to show and teach us. But yet, he's saying, hear, ye th hear this, ye old men. You've been around a long time. You've seen life. Hear this and give ear to what the Word of the Lord is going to say to you. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? What is about to happen has not happened before. Okay? Now, let's make straight. Let me give you three things, or a couple of things anyway. Northern Israel had separated. They would be conquered by the Assyrians and taken away. There's one great travesty on the people of God because of their sins of betraying the Lord and walking away from the true identity of the church of that day that God established. Then we come to Babylon. Daniel 1, when the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, not Israel, Israel had not existed for some time. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. That's farther down the road. And then we see the time of Christ. As we read this, this fits history with the time of the conquering of the northern kingdom of Israel. As Peter says, spiritually, this is pointing to the time of Christ. Okay? Now, he says, Hear ye this, old men. Have these been in your days or even the days of your fathers? This was something that's never been seen before. We've been blessed of God all this time. God's men have been telling us prophecy all this time. We've refused to listen. We've walked in our own ways. Every man doing that was right in his own eyes, condemning the prophets, putting them to death. And yet we're still blessed. There comes a time, and there did, when that would end, 
by the law and the penalty of the law. But you remember this before we go any farther. I'm not here preaching you gloom and doom. I'm telling you salvation in Christ, okay? We are not under the law. We are under grace. That's the only reason we're here, grace. That's how we're here. That's why we're here, by grace to praise God. Christ paid our sin debt that was due us under the law. This is the Old Testament, which God Himself did away with. He's speaking to them. He says, That which the palmer worm had left has the locust eaten. Well, the palmer worms have already attacked and they've already eaten much of your food source. And what's left from that, the locusts are going to eat. And when the locust gets through, the canker worm is going to eat. And that which the canker worm leaves in the caterpillar Caterpillar is going to eat or has eaten. Has, hath, past tense. I can't help but relate some of this in example to today's time. In example. These things are written for our example, 1 Corinthians 10. Everything in the Old Testament for our example. We live in a land that since the... Uh, 1700s. It's been blessed of God because God placed His church here. We've prospered the land of plenty, a land of physical milk and honey. Nobody has to be hungry. If you want something, get up and work. That's what I was taught 12 years old. Get up, you're going to work. You want something, work, pay for it. Every person here has had an opportunity. Every person in this country has an opportunity to work and be what they want. So much has changed. So much has changed. We'll cover some of that as we go through this maybe. But look at today. Look at where we stand today. Our food sources are dwindling. It's it's COVID. It's shipping. It's China. It's Russia. When I was a child, we fed the world today. We don't even have farms hardly anymore compared to what they were. We should grow our own food. This ain't time for politics. But anyway, you see where they stood. God is telling them why these things are happening to them. Time out. Deuteronomy 28. I'm not, I could spend a month on Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to make a point. I want you to read it sometime. In the law, okay? And by the way, the church of God, the children of God are under grace. But if I go rob a bank, I'm under the law. And a nation, whether they're God's people or not, are judged by the law. God gives them in Deuteronomy 28, He said, in blessing, I will bless thee, if you shall hearken, 28 and 1, diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all His commandments, which command me this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Have we not been there in this country for some time? But oh, how quickly it's going away. God help us in the church. Let us not lose the identity of the church. Let us not lose our love of Christ before and beyond all things, our adoration 
of He who died to save us from our sins. He said, All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken and divorce the Lord thy God. He goes on to say, I will bless thee in the field. I'll bless thee in the city. I'll bless thee in the country. I'll bless you in the home. I'll bless everything you do and everything you put your hand to if you diligently obey the Lord your God. When Joshua brought them over into the promised land, when God would part the river Jordan, the Lord told him, be strong, be courageous, to meditate upon His law. That's why we're told the Jewish leaders had frontlets before their eyes of Scripture. We are to see the Lord and acknowledge the Lord in all we do. And He also tells them before we get to the end of that long chapter, if you do not do these things, I will curse everything you do, and everything about you. This is the nation of Israel. People talk about the Jews and being anti-Semitic like they're lower than everybody else. We are all flesh and blood. We are all corrupted in Adam. We all have our own sins. We're a sinner by nature. We're a sinner by practice. The very thoughts and intents of our heart without sin are sins. Excuse me. The Lord chose the Jews because they were small in number or Israel and because they were vile people, but it pleased the Lord to love them. The Lord did not choose thee, Deuteronomy 7, because you were the greatest, for you were not. We were the least. We were sinful. The Jews represent the natural man and God's Love of those He chose to love. Have you seen this in your days? Because of your sin, the Assyrians, because you left and you went into the north and you intermingled with the people of the Gentiles and you worshiped their gods. You went into idolatry and you forgot the Lord your God. You're suffering this. Turn on the light switch, America. Turn on the light switch, church. And he's telling them why this is happening. We see it again with Nebuchadnezzar. Judah didn't learn. Judah didn't learn. That's why the Lord told him in Jeremiah, I believe, chapter 2, maybe 3. I haven't read it sometime, but it hit my mind. You see what your sister did? And you didn't, you didn't change it. It's the nature of man. But the point being made, now go on with the text. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep. Now, there's nothing wrong with somebody taking a drink. They were drunkards. They drank wine in bowls. All they wanted to do was celebrate their righteousness, celebrate their wealth, celebrate their prosperous blessing from God, celebrate Abraham, celebrate Moses, and the Lord Himself was never mentioned among it. And when He was, it was not from the heart. Awake, ye drunkards, 
These people worship me with their lips, but not with their hearts. That is the natural man. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and howl, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. God would suffer them to have what they desired for a time, and then God would cut it off. For a nation is come up upon my land. This text, as I said, in history, is dealing with the Assyrians conquering the northern kingdom. Pointing to, point the prophecy is pointing to Peter there on the day of Pentecost. For the Holy Spirit Himself through Peter, this is the day that was prophesied by the prophet Joel when God would do away with the first, establish the second, make manifest His glory in the pouring out of the Spirit upon the sons and daughters of the Jews who would stand and declare Christ and work miracles for a short time. They died, that died with them. For a nation has come up upon my land. You want proof of that. You want proof of that. Let me go to Daniel. Find my text. Daniel 8. He says, For a nation has come up upon my land strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek of a great, like the cheek teeth of a great lion. Daniel 8, speaking of Rome. The fourth beast, Greeks, Medes, Persians, Rome, of dark countenance, is diverse from the others, dreadful, whose teeth, verse 19, Daniel 7, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, the strong teeth, the strong teeth, Matthew. 24 gives us a picture of that also. And but the one I want to go to is Revelation 13. We went through Revelation last year and a half. Remember this? The beast that would rise up. Verse 2, chapter 13, Revelation. The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. This is speaking of... Pagan Rome and Papal Rome, okay? And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So we understand in prophecy that Joel is looking basically at the deliverance of God's children from the law when God would fulfill the law to a jot and a tittle there would not be the persecution. There would not be the trial. They would pay for their sins. When God destroyed the city of Jerusalem, when God, whether He caused it, whether He suffered it, the point is it happened and God knows it. And God allowed it. And I personally believe He sent it because they cried out, Release unto us Barabbas, as for this man Christ, crucify him. 
Let His blood be upon us and our children. And they paid a very heavy price. That's what this is pointing to. God is telling them why they suffered in the Assyrians and why they're going to suffer. We are sin. We are sinners, period. The grace of God is the only reason we still exist and that is in Christ. And I'm going to go to today's time and make a statement. Children of God are the only ones who are going to seek the Lord. And that is by God's grace. Children of God need to be seeking the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And we need to seek to keep the pure, true doctrine of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we need to seek to keep the pure practice that Christ ordained. He has laid my vine waste. The vines are dying. My scuff vines were so full a couple of months ago, but the vine begins to wilt and die in dormancy. He made it clean bare like a wild boar. He tears the bark off the tree. Then the tree begins to turn white and die. This enemy, Satan, eventually, laid divine waste, made his tree bare, made it clean bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Now he's told them what would happen in the Assyrian captivity. Israel would be no more. Judah would be in the south to fulfill the will of God in the law till the time His Son was born in the world and suffered and bled and died for the glory of the Father. What does the prophet say? Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The virgin marries the young man. The picture is to be. She's a virgin. She's a young maiden. She's married this man. She loves him. He's a proper husband. He loves her, cares for her, takes care of her. As Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. And now He's gone. He's dead. He's laid wasted. She laments heavily. The point the Spirit makes with Joel is these people should have been lamenting. They should have been in sorrow and not intermingling with those that God had separated them from. Now we're under grace and we know God preserves a remnant and that it will be here. But I will tell you this, when Christ hanged between the cross, He hanged between two men, the one on the right, cried to Him, Lord, remember me when Thou comest into the kingdom. The one on the left continued to revile the Lord. There was a difference made and Christ made it. Christ separated His people from the wicked. And He'll come again 
and separate the His people from the wicked, the sheep from the goats. And that will be the last separation. It will need I not need another. God's people being separated in Christ from the world and seeing in this day we should be lamenting the condition of the church. We should be sorrowful. We should be praying that the Lord would send more laborers into the vineyard for the fields are white in the harvest. The Lord did not say that day would ever end. He said the fields are white in the harvest. Pray for Zion. Pray with your heart. Pray with your soul. I, I try to do that and feel to be such a failure. But we pray for the church. We pray for the kingdom. We pray for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered and bled and died for us. He's telling them in the ministry, the Jewish ministry, Levitical priesthood, pray! The meat offering, the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. That was cut off by their own leader, Jeroboam. Does that tell us something about leaders who turn you astray? From the truth of God, there's a reason Ephesians tells us there are winds of doctrine in the world. Every man, every denomination going about teaching a false and strange doctrine. There's only one true doctrine. And that is it's all in Christ. It's not your doing. It's not your choice. It's not your work. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you because He loved you and will raise you up and set you at His right hand. And that's why we worship Him. And that's true doctrine. Lament. The meat offering, the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priest, the Lord's ministers, you need to mourn. You need to be sorry. You need to mourn and teach and preach. The He told them to preach the destruction that was coming. Well, what good will that do? Look at Jonah. Went marching into Nineveh, preaching God's vengeance and judgment. And what happened? They repented. didn't last long. They were later destroyed. But when Jonah went in, boldly, not timidly, he went into that city preaching. And God spared him. The field wasted the pasture, the fallow ground, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, your bread. Today that's a, the bread of God, the body of Christ. The new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. It was taken from them physically. When it's taken today, it's taken spiritually. If we turn to make money, if we turn to make members... We deny the doctrine of Christ and the teaching of Christ. The doctrine gets altered deeper and deeper and deeper. We go in doctrine and practice away from the things of God. The oil languishes. The Spirit. The Spirit languishes. I pray, Lord, pour Thy Spirit every day on Thy people and on Thy ministry if it be Thy precious will. Give us the Spirit of evangelism to Thy people. And then you turn around 
and you look at this world and you realize that if the Holy Spirit of God was taken away from this nation that's been so blessed of God, I wonder how many would even know it. A very few. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. Now that's representing those who grow fields of harvest. Today it represents those who are to plant the fields of the Lord spiritually. O ye vine dressers for the wheat and for the barley because the harvest of the field is perished. There was no corn and grapes to bring in. There was no oil to bring in. How many do we see being baptized in this day and age of evil and darkness that we have? That's not the Lord's fault. Take example. It's ours. It's, first of all, it belongs to a child of God. The buck stops here. God promises us blessing. And secondly, society is evil, period, unless God quickens and gives life and brings them here. It's not going to happen for the Lord adds daily. We ought to be striving and praying every day. And I try to. Lord, help me. I'm vile. I'm a sinner. I'm flesh. I hate myself. I hate what I came from. I hate everything about this world. Please revive thy people for the sake of Christ. The harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up. The fig tree languisheth. The pomegranate tree and the palm tree also. And the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered. And by the way, David said the Trees fill cedars of Lebanon are men. So you compare that and think about it spiritually for today and in that day. They suffered in a physical nation with want of physical things. This nation is suffering and is going to suffer much more for want of physical things. When we put evil people in power... We are going to suffer. But the worst part of it, and the part I care about, is suffering spiritually because of closed doors of churches. The vine is dried up, the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Joy in your salvation. What did David say after his sin? Lord, return unto me the joy, the joy of thy, it belongs to God, thy salvation. God gives it to us in Christ. Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests. That was the duty of the priesthood in that day. Teach these people of the judgment of God which was under the law which they were there to present and teach in that day. Ye ministers of the altar, come lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden. Who gives it? God, so who withholds it? God from the house of your God. Sanctify fast. This is what they were to do. 
Sanctify fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into your house, the house of God, the temple of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. What does he say? Call the people together, just like in Nehemiah. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Pray to God. Cry unto God. And none else. We know they did not. You want to know why? Matthew 23. Matthew 23. That text is all about the same thing he's talking about in Joel. Woe you scribes and Pharisees! You don't enter the kingdom, you keep those that would enter in from entering. And how do they do that? You give them things to do, you would not move with one of your fingers. You set so many things into the law upon a child of God that he cannot come in the kingdom. And then when you do bring one into the kingdom, it's a proselyte, and you make him two times more the child of hell than you yourself. Looking to Abraham, looking to Moses. And then we'll come to the point. You've scourged all the prophets. You've killed them. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 36, Matthew 23, all these things that come upon this generation. Joel is dealing with the Assyrians conquering Israel. This text in Matthew is speaking of what Joel is pointing to. As Peter said, these are the words of Joel this day. Pointing to the destruction of Jerusalem, the end of the law service, and deliverance, catch that, deliverance to a child of God. He says, the uncircumcised and the unclean and the stranger shall not come into the land. The city of Jerusalem had gates. Any man walking through there could enter into that kingdom. Today you're translated here by the Spirit of God into the kingdom of His dear Son. Only God can bring you into the kingdom with spiritual life quickening you while you were dead in trespassing sins. Let's get back to the text. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. There's the reason. And ye would not. The natural man will not come into the kingdom of God. And those that do come are brought here by Him. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Just as desolate as Israel was, Judah would become. The law would be fulfilled. <clears throat> Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Let me give you some days of the Lord. Uh, chapter 13 of Isaiah. <clears throat> the burden of Babylon. This is dealing with another day. Now, Joel was dealing with the day of the Lord when he would deal with Israel's because of their sins. Isaiah is prophesying of the day when he will deal with Judah, Jehoiakim king of Judah, 
because of their sins. The burden of Babylon, Isaiah 13.1, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see, lift you up a banner upon the high mountain, exalt the voice unto them, preach it to them, shake the hand that they may go to the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones, have also called my mighty ones for mine anger. Well, God's not angry. God gets angry. God is righteous. How He looks upon those who are saved. I can't understand why He saved us. Why does He look at me? Why do I love Him? I don't deserve it. The noise of a multitude in the mountains like the great people, the multitude noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustered the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of His indignation to destroy the whole land. Verse 6, How do you for the day of the Lord is at hand? What day is that? When Isaiah prophesied, Israel did not exist. He's speaking of the day. Seventy years of desolation. The day of the Lord when He would judge Judah there for their sins when they would go into captivity. And then God would bring them back because God is faithful. speaks of Cyrus, king of Persia, 400 years before he was raised up. Let me give you one more. This one's talking about the day of Christ. Malachi 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. They burnt the city of Jerusalem. And all the proud, the Pharisees, we have Abraham, we have Moses. You're of Beelzebub to the very Lord Jesus Christ. They said that. Yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble in the fire. Gathers the wheat into the garner, and the chaff is consumed. This is deliverance in this world for a child of God. We have a kingdom which cannot be conquered. It's cut out of the rock made not without hands. Made without hands, excuse me. And it will crush all other kingdoms. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, capital S, Christ of righteousness, arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves in a stall, a fat calf in the stall, eating hay, eating feed all day. And ye, when we obey God, and keep the true doctrine, and keep the true practice, and preach the gospel, shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet in the day that I do this, saith the Lord. Fast forward verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. There's proof what he's talking about. That's John the Baptist who came preparing the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, turning the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest he come and curse the earth with a curse. What did John come preaching? Repentance for the remission of sins. The kingdom of heaven, the spiritual kingdom of Jesus Christ, built upon the rock of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, given by God the Father through the Spirit of God, is here. Is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. This is in the law. This is. 
to Israel. The seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The seed rots in the ground. The storehouses are desolate. The barns are broken down. The corn is withered. Apply this to them. Apply this spiritually today. With the Word of God, you walk into the, 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 the bookstore and you say, where's I want a King James Bible? And they don't have one. I've been there and done that. Well, we got the New Living Way and we've got this way and we've got that way. I want the true way. I want the Lord Jesus Christ. I want the 1611 King James which came from Geneva. It was translated diligently. The threat of blasphemy was death. You won't tell me God didn't have a hand in that. He gave that to an English-speaking people. And from that time forward, the English-speaking people is where the church has primarily been. How do the beasts groan of the field? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture, yet the flocks of sheep are made desolate. This is what they had. It was all taken away. That may happen to this nation today. But the Lord preserves a remnant which do not bow the knee to Baal. Remember that. Even in Egypt, the Israelites had Goshen. We've got a place of light. And God will never leave us nor forsake us. O Lord, to Thee will I cry. That's to whom we pray. For the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. The flame hath burned all the trees of the field. Everything's gone. Everything's burned up. The beasts of the field cry also unto Thee. For the rivers of water dried up the Spirit, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. I want you to understand, this is not doom and gloom. This is God delivering His people from those that were evil and wicked. Woe unto you Pharisees! Woe unto you Sadducees! Woe unto you scribes! You bear that in mind with the Benny Hens of the world. Give me your money. Give me your money. And those who teach lies and doctrine and deny the very Lord Jesus Christ who bought them with His blood. God's people will never be forsaken. The Lord is always with us. Watched a hunting show. It may have been last night, may have been this morning. The guy is a big lover of the Lord. He don't see things like I do in a lot of ways. But he loves the Lord. He'd hiked eight miles into camp. I mean, away from camp and killed a big old elk. And he had to go back out and drag it out eight miles. He said, I'll give you this example. I've walked eight miles into the wilderness. You may walk eight miles from God. But if you want to turn around and see God, it doesn't take but one step because God is there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Now next week, blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. Blow the Gospel. We're going to come into, as we go through these next couple of chapters, God having pity on His people.
We're going to talk about the establishment of the church, the harvesting of God's people in this world. Decision, decision. <laughs> in the valley of the harvest, God does not have to make decisions on the day of eternity. He knows His sheep are written in His hand. That does not apply. It applies to here. God has given us a kingdom. God has fought the victory. God has fought the battle. And God cannot lose. Get in deeper next week, Lord willing.